everybody hi oh, nathan hi. Ooh, good one oh hi welcome once more to reckless attack a fifth edition dungeons and dragons actual play podcast i am as ever your humble gm nathan so excited once again to be around the table not just with you our dear listeners but with all of these excellent players around me hello excellent players hi hello, hello. excellent dm hello all right that's the end of the episode hey. been, <laughs> party, nice. party on nate i, I yeah. checked i Party on Steve, while I while I mean it, doesn't have like it doesn't fit the kind of like fun party on Garth, party on Wayne situation. So I will be asking you to change your name starting next episode. But we'll get to that. We've already. Well, I guess we haven't introduced ourselves. Why don't we go ahead and start there, starting with the person to my left who is. Hi, I'm Sophie. I play Valeska Carter, the human asterisk cleric of the Arcana Domain. And Val is real sad that everything's falling apart because it was a cool giant chapel that she wanted to explore. And now we'll have to jump out of a sarcophagus with yeah. no bonus to acrobatics whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> this will end well, yep. right? Yeah. Oh, great news. Mango's by me. Yeah. Yeah, very true. And to my left. Who will hopefully <laughs> yeah. let Mango. Hint. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of Mango. Yeah. Out of the sarcophagus. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yes. Person to my left. Hi, everyone. I'm Jonathan, and I play Checkers, the Grung Druid, and his trusty frog pals, Mango and Junior. And Checkers is having some real mixed feelings, because he just got thrown around by a giant, and like, in the moment, it kind of sucked, but in hindsight, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you did get spiked yeah, on the right. ground, which I, as a DM, felt Ooh, mm-hmm. that's like check off the bucket list, you know, mm-hmm. like, ooh, I did that. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> and thinking back on it, I'm like, that was awesome. <laughs> I agree. And to my left. Hi, everyone. I'm David, and I play Kaskrin Brightmane, Dwarven Warlock. And I now have to keep a tally of how many times Kaskrin has been unconscious because it's been more than one. <laughs> <laughs> Just in the last in the last episode. You, li- you threw someone at me and then hit Kaskrin into the ground in like one turn in the span of like, Four seconds, and that was like 70 points of damage right there. <laughs> I, I I, didn't do anything. Nalgrog the Deathless did. Damn you, Nalgrog and, the Deathless. And really, you should be extra thankful, because I threw a small-sized creature at you. <laughs> Think if I had thrown a full medium-sized creature. This was just Checkers the Grung Druid. It could have been much worse. I appreciate your generosity uh, in this moment yeah. of need. Thank yeah. you very much. And to my left. Hello, everyone. My name is Steve, and I am playing... Self Asterlin, the dragonborn monk who is uh, about to start dodging, dipping, dodging, and dipping, all the other D's. Diving, <laughs> and, yes, in order to get out of the way of this collapsing area. While Steve is personally trying to come up with some kind of Indiana Jones type puns about start, <laughs> starting the plane, start at the plane, good, 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 good. good. Uh, but, uh, so we'll we'll see how that works out. I've got probably a good thirty or forty seconds before I have to say something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll you roll very poorly on your initiative, and then that'll really oh, that'll give, give me some, more time. Yeah, yeah some time. Yeah. I delay it, it, my action. Thank yes, you. Thank you. And that, dear listener, is where I will ask you all to please open up on a separate browser, whatever royalty-free 
adventure soundtrack that you most feel like might represent this moment? Because you guys have successfully defeated Nalgrog the Deathless, the mummy that had been causing problems here in this graveyard of giants, including, apparently, controlling and kidnapping one of the giants in residence there. You assisted a large stone giant, Darthon, in tracking down its lair and really beating the poop out of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, sort of. You also got beaten up, actually, yeah, it was. Well, you actually bad. took much yes. more of a beating uh-huh. now that I'm really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But you successfully and creatively found its desiccated husk of a body and burned the heart from inside of it, immediately killing the creature. And you know, from Val's expertise in the undead area, that this would be putting an end to Nalgrog the Deathless permanently and his kind of haunt and bid to take over this graveyard. But you're not out of the woods just yet. No. No. Because it seems that in his defeat, his lair must have been intrinsically tied to his soul, for it too is beginning to collapse and fall and threatens to bury you all in a cascade of mountain. Now, as... Things rumble around you as huge clouds of dust are kicked up, as pillars are tipped over, as things are generally devolving into pandemonium all around you. Dear heroes, I would like you all to please roll for initiative. Because it's skill challenge time, baby. Hey! Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're still spiked into the ground. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) You're still getting up, digging yourself out of the crater. Checkers with a 22. Ooh. Selv with a 13. Val with an 11. Kaskin with a 5. Good job. You guys did that in order wow. perfectly. Yeah. Well done. Let's go. Mm-hmm. It's like we've been recording 80 some of these. <laughs> and sometimes oh, we both do it well and get lucky. Look at us go. Hell yeah. <laughs> so there's been a little bit of time passing as this was kind of unfolding, but I'm still imagining on one side of this large room, Still inside or around the sarcophagus are Mango, Val, and Self, who were kind of on the heart mission, I yep. suppose. And I, I believe Self is still elbow deep in oh, mummy chest. Val and Self are both in a ribcage right you're, now. You're, I think you're like waist deep. Waist like deep. you had to, it's a, it's a sizable giant chest cavity. But you guys find yourself all the way across the room still in this sarcophagus while Kaskrin checkers, uh, who again are both kind of adjacent to a large Kaskrin-sized crater, stand with the two giants, Brynla and Darthon. And all of this is happening all at once, and you see the passageway that has mysteriously reappeared on the other side of the room. Checkers, mm-hmm. you you react the quickest using yes. your, your twitchy reflexes. What do you do? So... As the room is rumbling around us, and as these sarcophagi are kind of, like, coming out of the walls and crashing on the ground, Checkers knows that he has to get out of here, and he has to help others. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, he knows that Mango and Val are still in the sarcophagus, so um, he's going to call out, Mango, get Val out of there! And Mango is going to try and use athletics to help 
Val with her climb out of the sarcophagus. Okay. 15 for athletics. That is a success. And what that looks like is Mango is going to wrap his tongue around you, Val, (laughs) and just kind of like act as a brace for you being able to climb out of the sarcophagus. And so he'll be like climbing alongside you to get up and just kind of helping you up there. Cool. He's like my climbing instructor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm imagining Mango's like the top rope. Yeah. Or... <laughs> yeah, he's belaying you. With... Yeah. <laughs> and Checkers calls out to the rest of the group, the place is coming down. Let's go, let's go. So you see a Mango start to just drag Val up, <laughs> up the side of this large sarcophagus that you are also still in. You hear all the rumbling. You hear Checkers call out uh, his dire warning. What do you do? Still, again, Deep into the chest of this mummy and inside a sarcophagus, knowing you have some ground to cover. Selv is going to kind of backpedal as quickly as possible while he's on his hands and knees out (laughs) of this enormous cavity uh, and away from the fire that I'm assuming is still kind of burning a little bit. Oh, yes. And then seeing that uh, Mango is already helping Val out, I am going to run to the corner of the sarcophagus and... For lack of a better term, I'm going to parkour up it. Mm-hmm. Yep, just like in the corner, just wall, 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 and then grab onto the uh, the top of it and hoist myself up. Awesome, cool. And then I'm going to take a look down that hallway and see if if we have to get out of the room and the hallway, or if we just if we can get to the hallway, we'll be okay. Got it. Cool. Uh, and I will even be nice, and I'll let you roll perception. Oh, okay, perfect. Ooh, sixteen on the die for a total of twenty-two. That is another wow. success. So you can see that the majority of the shaking and the kind of collapsing is definitely happening here in this chapel cathedral. But you can see there is little bits of kind of smoke and dust flumes, I guess, coming from the hallway, seeing that it's not as bad as it is in here, but that might be on its way down as well to add some extra urgency to you making your way across the room. The hallway is coming down too. regroup at the edge of it. Val, you are being hoisted up by a mango. A self has parkoured past you. You are kind of right on the lip here of the sarcophagus. What do you do? Uh, I was just going to be like, I spent animal handling to give mango encouragement for getting me out of there because he's such a great boy. (laughs) Uh I spent my whole time doing that. I mean... While running. (laughs) We we have a lovely high five moment where... Uh, he's still running, but he uses his tongue to high five me uh-huh. as we run down the slope. It's of the a morale, a morale boat. <laughs> yeah, is yeah. what you're mm-hmm. looking to do. Yeah, I will, from my vantage point, take a quick glance around, mm-hmm. spot where Checkers is, and then give Mango the like quickest path back to the frog stack. Awesome, mm-hmm. got it. You're gonna retreat geometry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. all geometry, baby. Uh, 17. That Ooh, is wow. another success. Hey. Amazing. Uh, so Mango, this way. Back to checkers. <laughs> Real quick. <laughs> and you guys, especially anyone across the room, but but Selv as well, just hear this very wet slap as there is a <laughs> uh, palm and tongue high five. Yes. <laughs> echoing even over the mighty <laughs> dusty din. <laughs> I freaking 
almost devolved into a puddle of giggles because I was like, oh no, Checkers is not riding that mango. And then I just had the mental image of Checkers full fucking sprinting <laughs> with his frog feet. Sorry, we have disallowed your character, Jonathan, yes. to, to jump. They can't right. jump. Yeah. You have to just be sprinting in a straight, very, very unerringly straight line. Yes. It is now Darthon's turn, actually. He is going to use his action. He is going to pick Brynla up, who is awake now, after all the healing that Darthon poured into her, is at least conscious, but is still clearly out of it. Like, in no shape to contribute meaningfully to this skill challenge or reality at large. But... Darthon scoops her up and she is bigger than him, but he is still able to kind of fire men's carry and turn towards the door. And there is a large rock that kind of falls from the ceiling that is headed straight for Kaskrin, who hasn't been able to kind of move or start going yet. And he is going to just try to like push this rock out of the way and just kind of deflect it just enough so that it misses the three of you guys. Rolled a 15 on the die. Oh, wow. Uh, so that's like a 20. He's a giant. Seven or something. <laughs> uh, so that's another success. Uh, so you, you Kaskrin, you just hear this like right over and this shower of pebbles just hit the ground right next to you. Yeah. Uh, and it is your turn. And I just see these like two giant legs. You know, he's got uh, Brindla in on his shoulder and he's just like rushing towards the exit. As the room is coming down, as these pillars are coming down around us. I am going to take a page out of Darthon's book, and I'm going to cast Enlarge on myself. Ooh. And in much the same way that he's, like, trying to, you know, make space, protect people from debris falling overhead, I'm going to, like, look at, or, you know, some of the pillars are starting to come down, and so Kaskin reaches one enlarged hand towards one of them and, like, pushes it out of the way so that Valeska and Mango have a clearer path to get towards the passage. Okay, so what I would like is either you can do a strength check or a constitution or charisma even because you're using spells and you can do it with advantage. Okay, I'm going to do a constitution throw. That is a 24. <laughs> Absolutely. So he's just using himself as a shield to, like, you know, body these rocks and stuff out of the way. And Checkers is just, like, full-on sprinting underneath <laughs> your legs as you're running underneath Darthon's <laughs> legs. The, the inverse stack. Yeah. <laughs> and thus the stack is mm -hmm. maintained. Yes. Mm -hmm. So everyone has kind of started on their way across the room. And I, I'm fine with just kind of hand-waving because you guys all succeeded so well that even the people who were clear across the other side of the room have kind of enough time, especially with now two large creatures batting stuff out of the way. You guys are now on the other side of the room, and this place is now coming down. Like, you can now see the sarcophagus that was Nalgrog's has been split in half by this giant boulder and now it is all kind of cascading in this wave of rock and dust straight towards you guys and you turn back towards this labyrinthine hallway and you can see on either side the small torches that were there are now a little bit fuller than they once were now that Nalgrog is gone and you can still see a lot of shining treasure all along the side but you also see a lot of debris start to fall in here as well. We will do a second round 
Starting with Checkers. So, on our way out, Checkers remembers the different traps that we Mm -hmm. looked at and disabled on our way in here. And Checkers remembers a very specific trap where there was pressure plates on the floor and a number of spears that were set to come out of the wall and stab us if we stepped on the wrong spot. So what Checkers is going to do is he's going to try and run ahead a little bit of the group and get to that trap first and try and just flip over the tiles or disable the trap before everyone else runs on their way past him. Love that. Awesome. Do you have any suggestions as to what you would like to do? A sleight of hand, perchance? I'd like to use my thieves' tools. Yeah, totally. Um, so he gets in there, he just like pries out the, the, the relevant stones just to make sure that everyone else is safe on the way out. Awesome. I love that. Oof. 20. Uh, <laughs> oof, indeed. You <laughs> yeah. made it sound like a bad yeah, oof. Yeah, yeah. And it was a very high oof. Yeah, yeah. Good oof today. God, I'm DC 14. I yeah, was like, DC oh, that's 14. A, that's no. a little bit high, but I was being, getting stuff. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so you guys all come upon Checkers, who is, you know, just kind of finishing, like, crowbarring yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, like, tile out of the way. And you guys hear this kind of the clunk of a trap being disabled and are able to run past no problem. Just kind of as as one group, as all of this stuff is now coming down even faster, even harder, as the glint of the gold remains shimmering on the side. Self, it is your turn. Uh, okay, so what I'm going to do is... Get ready with the gust cantrip. Cool. And mm-hmm. basically, if there's anything that looks like it's falling and about to hit somebody, it could be checkers as he's like messing with the plate, and just as he yeah, finishes, yeah. So has I could, to get blown yeah, out of the yes. way. So I will keep an eye on checkers there while he's disabling some traps, and just be ready to use gust to push him out of the way. And I will give a slight warning and just say, checkers, go limp. So what I'm going to ask for you to do, not necessarily a roll to hit, um, I guess we could do a roll to hit, or we could do a test of your kind of reaction time. Because you've been watching out for it, you rolled perception last time already, but it could be like a dexterity or even just kind of some other wisdom-based check. Okay, so uh, I am going to push checkers out of the way with a gust of wind. A total of 19. Another Mm. success. Sheesh. You guys are destroying this. The way I'm imagining this, too, is like Checkers is so focused on disabling this trap that he doesn't see the the piles of rocks getting ready to fall on top of him. So all of a sudden he like flips over the last pressure plate, looks back at the group and just yells out, we're good, we're good. And then just a blast of wind pushes him back away as he sees a number of rocks just fall on the space that he just was. Checkers, are you okay? Nice one. Good job, Sal. Val, seeing that Checkers kind of disappeared behind a rock, jumps off of Mango and says, go get him, boy, go get him. (laughs) And she then gets distracted because that large chunk of the ceiling that just came crashing down also unleashed a second cavern Mm -hmm. that had no time to identify the exact species, but some type of bat creature that is coming (laughs) towards us. Yep. And Val will use Magic Missile to just knock out a couple of them and keep running and try to hopefully uh, deter enough of them from continuing to harry us. Cool. Then I'll take a, like an Arcana check That was for my that. thought, yeah. Cool. That is a 13. Oh, <laughs> one failure. Uh, so they, they all go wide and it hits some rock above them and actually does still take one of them out because he rolled a 13 <laughs> under a 14. 
but they actually just like swarm over you guys and like get in your faces and just ah, uh, 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 before are swatted away by one of the giants, presumably. It is Darthon's turn, and he is going to kind of look at the cavern that opened up that all of these kind of bats came from. And as soon as the bats uh, get out of his face and all of your collective face, uh, he is going to see if he can remember if this is actually a shortcut to go through this space instead of all these kind of winding passages. Ooh. Uh, 15 on the die. Hey. Hey. Damn, you guys are crushing this. Okay. Darthon uh, shouts out something loud and resonant in giant that you guys don't understand, but it is, even that is muffled by all the dust and debris kind of coming around, but he does an unmistakable gesture to follow him into this cavern and is able to kind of lead out into this cavern and find another passageway kind of back into the labyrinth that skips however much long, you know, however much distance and twists and turns that you guys just didn't have to take. Kaskrin, you know you're right at the end. And now it is just a question of getting everybody out through the final passageway. You can you can almost see it from here. Those torches that are lit, you can see, almost make out the piles of bones that line the walls. And now they just need one last push to get everyone out safe and sound. What do you do? Okay. I have a very dumb idea. <laughs> it's, it. the last, it's the last round. Do you guys it. have crushed it. So, the, okay, this this is more going to be flavor dumb because, <laughs> um, you know, we're running through this hallway, running through this labyrinth, and there's been just stuff coming down the whole time. And there is like a pile of debris that is five, seven feet tall that has just collected towards the, the end of this. And it's like the last barrier. You know, we could climb over it if we have enough time, but it's going to slow us down if we do that. So the best way is through it. Kaskrin is going to... You know, he finds like a nearby somewhat spherical boulder that's on the ground and like grabs it in one hand. And like as he's running, he takes this boulder and like hurls it along the floor in front of us like a bowling (laughs) ball. And it rolls and it rolls and it just impacts these boulders. And this huge like just goes out as he uh, gets a strike. Here's hoping. I think I've seen that on the video that plays after yeah, you get yeah. a strike. Yeah. Uh, what are we, what are we rolling? Athletics. Yeah. Throw cool. it real hard. Uh, Twenty one. <laughs> that is another smashing success, pun intended. David, what does it look like as the group of you guys all just kind of emerge as all of this debris is falling behind you? Again, there's this big kind of cinematic smoke cloud coming up and just like shooting you guys out of the passageway. What does it look like? Yeah, there is just like this landscape shot of the side (laughs) of the mountain. There's like a a hole in it. And all of a sudden, like four adventurers, Darthan and Brynla, just go shooting out of it (laughs) as from behind them, there's like, you know, the giant explosion of dust and debris. And then like, we're all, we're all out. And then there's just like a freeze frame as we're like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Everything was collapsing so, so hard that one of the tunnels even kind of came down. So you had to keep running out of the entire mountain and are find yourselves in the twilight of the late day, successful in your escape. Yay! Yay! Congratulations, everybody. Uh, DC 14. All right. <laughs> Fucking, all right. All right. Nine successes to one failure. So pretty good. In Val's defense, she's at one hit point. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long day. Right. Exactly. How many spell slots do you even have at this point? She's Not many. Woozy. <laughs> 
Eventually, you guys make your way back into the mountain after kind of catching your breath, checking to make sure everyone is okay, but also knowing we probably shouldn't just wait outside of the mountain here for all that long. And I, Nathan the DM, am going to break the, the fourth wall ever so slightly because if things had gone catastrophically wrong, of course, you could have been buried in the mountain and we could have figured that out. But, you know, you got to do stuff with stakes, right? Even if the players don't necessarily know the stakes, they have to trust that there are stakes. And yes, you could have been buried in the mountain. Luckily, that didn't happen. But on top of that, because of how well you guys did, you also get a reward for Ooh. crushing that skill challenge so thoroughly. Heck yeah. Jonathan. Yes. How... How does the party know uh-huh. about the reward <laughs> that they receive as a group mm-hmm. for nine successes and one failure? Can I just before my thought is that because Checkers is so quick and dexterous, he had like an extra turn uh-huh. and he just opened the haversack of holding or whatever, our bag of holding basically, and just like scoops. Yeah. <laughs> like as he's running, just held it open and like <laughs> was just a full sprint and who's like to say, yeah. Sophie, filled who's up. Who's to say? I thought a reward was going to be like a fresh baked apple pie he got from somewhere in the labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. So what this looks like is you know, we all just made it out of the, the tunnels. We're all, like, covered in dust and coughing and trying to recover after our freeze frame. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and checkers would go out to Val and just ask, uh, Val, you know how you said everything in the tunnel was cursed, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, famously, mummy treasure, very cursed. Does that count if there's not a mummy anymore? Probably not. But, like, maybe don't touch anything more than you already have and we'll figure it out. So I shouldn't have touched all these, right? And then he just like empties out the haversack. (laughs) There's like a pile of gold coins and like a whole bunch of little things. It's not just a pile of gold coins. Because of how hard you guys crushed that skills challenge, you get an extra 9,000 gold pieces. And it is all sorts of coins and paintings and pieces of art, everything that you can imagine, basically. But checkers, what is one thing that you find among all the treasure? So one of the things that clatters to the ground as checkers is opening up his sack is this long gold weapon. And it looks like a giant fork, essentially. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. But this is a old trident that someone used for fishing a long time ago. And it seems to have been plated in gold and jewels and like well-crafted leather. But it is just like an old fishing implement, essentially. And it just like clatters to the ground in front of Valeska. And is it giant-sized? I want to say it's not giant-sized. Yeah, and I think that is very reasonable for it not to be. And it would be harder for you to scoop up yeah. in the haversack. Because <laughs> uh-huh. I was going to say, next that clatters out is this old, rusty, like, metal spoon. Yeah. It is giant size. <laughs> <laughs> and is totally worth it. Yeah. <laughs> but the same size as the strident. Yeah. yeah. Well, how did that even get into this treasure hoard? I don't well, It's not important. <laughs> it's not important. And it is very clear quickly that Darthon is happy for you guys to have it uh, as part of your reward for... Saving the mountain in the graveyard.
And now, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by A Foul Light Shines, a new free serial novel based on a D&D campaign. The Empire of Fire and Water has known 20 golden years of peace since the end of Agenion's War, a peace which is now in peril. When a ragtag group of friends intervene in a grotesque monster attack, they're too late to save a wounded man who leaves them with an encrypted journal and the words, Trust no one, Tyre. Can the gang find Tyre, escape the claws of more strange monsters, and uncover the lurking threat to the Empire before it's too late? This story features themes of found family and strength in diversity, and is available for free on Campfire and Royal Road. A foul light shines. Come for the fantasy. Stay for the cheese-obsessed goblin gunslinger. Hey everyone, Jonathan here with the mid-roll. If you're looking for the hottest frog memes around, join the Reckless Attack community on Discord. You can find a link to it in the show notes of our latest episodes or on our website, recklessattack.com. Want to support the show? Tell a friend or check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash recklessattack, where you can get access to our behind-the-screen talkback show as well as our new Reckless to Snacks series, where we eat snacks, hang out, and just talk about whatever's on our mind. Thanks so much for listening to us, and we hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. So, after a long day <laughs> of... Remember how you you beat up a weird ghost? <laughs> how Kaskrin made a giant pillar that he just, like, sat on for a while? That was that still w- today. That was yeah. this morning. <laughs> that was, yeah. like... That was like an Six hour after breakfast, ago. and then we went, and then we fought a bone monster, and then we fought a mummy. Long day, you guys. It was a long day, but a day of doing good and a day of hopefully great rewards. And not to gloss over things all that much, but a lot of the rest of the day is, of course, spent licking your guys' wounds. Uh, you guys are very tired, very beat up, and eventually... You take a full night's rest, and in the morning, Brynla is well enough that she is able to at least kind of sit up. She is still very emaciated, and as a reminder, she is a a storm giant, so she is very large. And she fills you guys in a little bit on what happened. It is basically as you theorized, where one day she was just ambushed, and then she just doesn't remember anything else that happened, and basically... It is a it is a muddle of memory until she woke up as things were falling apart all around you guys. Both Darthon and Brynla are unbelievably thankful for the four of you. Darthon particularly spends time trying to kind of enunciate in common what he is able to with his grasp of the language. And Darthon would ask when you guys wanted to leave because he will take you to your rendezvous point with Lorana Moonglove. And he says you're only a couple days away, so you'll actually be there like a day or two early. I think after we finish resting up, I don't think Ral has anything that would make her stay here if Brynla's okay. 
Darthon nods kind of an understanding, knowing that you guys had a timeline that you pushed back to help him. Darthon basically says he will leave as soon as you guys are ready. And you guys are, you know, kind of are shoving all the treasure back in your head. <laughs> Val would have done like detect magic to make sure it wasn't cursed before yes, and, touching and it again. Luckily, once the mummy is dead, mm-hmm. the curse is also dead. You guys are kind of finishing your preparations, gathering whatever sleeping rolls and stuff that you had. And you guys across the room see Darthon and Brynla kind of sharing this very intimate moment where Darthon is just kind of holding her very large hands in his and looking very earnestly. And she is looking very earnestly back. And with your final preparations done, you guys leave the mountain. Again, you walk past this now slightly more disheveled than it once was kind of main giant dome with all of these grand sarcophagi. You walk past the walls of bone and emerge into daylight. As you go, Darthon kind of looks down at you guys with the sun kind of shining down upon you all. He utters a kind of word of power, a prayer, and it adds fleetness of foot. It adds a resilience against nature. He layers prayer upon prayer until you guys are moving very quickly through the hills, the underbrush. Don't feel as much fatigue as you would otherwise. And is spending all of his arcane might to get you guys where you need to go. You travel the rest of the day. You share a campsite and are able to dig in, take your watches. Darthon insists on taking a watch by himself because he has very good dark vision. Did someone say dark vision? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is, is it dark out? Yeah, <laughs> I, di- I didn't realize. In the morning, there are, in front of you guys, kind of around a fire, there are four thin, almost like shale-like rocks that each have a rune carved on them. Darthon sees you guys are kind of waking up, and he very excitedly points at them and then points at you guys and gestures at you all and would explain to Val that he made these last night Mm. uh, while he was on watch. These runes are enhancement runes. Any weapon or holy symbol or arcane focus or whatever. And he's he's showing you how to do this, that you attach it to and kind of do like a coal etching of, gets a plus one bonus. And becomes a magical weapon. Does it work on living creatures? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's get to that. (laughs) But... Can I get a plus one frog? If there (laughs) is something that you would like to put said rune upon, we can figure that out. But like, yes. (laughs) He also goes to Val and he fishes out of his pack this very comically large for you, but comically small for him Mm -hmm. sheet of paper. He hands it to you with a small and also very comically, like how long it must have taken for him to tie the little knots that go into this little leather bag. And he hands them to you 
you know, you can open the bag and whatever, and it's diamond dust. Oh. And the piece of paper is a scroll of greater restoration. Ooh. I'm just imagining that the scroll is written in giant. Yes. Because <laughs> he, he probably, like, created it or found it somewhere in the, the labyrinth itself, so... Kaskrin takes the scroll and like moves it upside down. It's like, you are too generous, Starfog. <laughs> you are hilarious. Val would not let that out of her hands for Kaskrin to take it at all. Val uh, will have a, a small talk with Darthon and thank him for everything he's done. And he refuses all thanks. You know, he is the one who thrust his burden on strangers, was met with generosity. And the least he can do is provide what he can and escort you where you are going to go. You pick up camp and you only travel a couple more hours that morning until you kind of get to a couple of hills that are pretty well protected and give a nice viewpoint. From this vantage, Darthon gestures out in the direction that you guys have been traveling. And... Amid a desolate landscape where all greenery ends several hundred feet before and extends for what must be miles of nothingness. Alone in this kind of gray waste is an old, giant, imagine redwood-sized gray tree. It is shaped unlike any tree you've ever seen. You are all looking at a very peculiarly, peculiarly, oddly, <laughs> a strain, a very interesting, a very peculiar, peculiar, <laughs> peculiar. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, you say it at home, listener. You try. Um, uh, a very, a very interestingly shaped tree. Imagine the branches kind of flowing upwards and outwards like two giant wings going in either direction. But unmistakably, that is where it is because there is nothing else there. None of you have been to this part of the world before because, A, most of you are not from around here and there would have been no reason for you to go here. But also because... This is not a place people go and come back from. For years, especially right after the fall of the suns, people tried to go in to see what happened, see if there are any survivors of sunfall, to see what treasures may lay behind. And it is not hyperbole to say that no one came back. Kaskrin's read a fair number of reports about this area, about Sunfall, about what happened at the Pentarchy's end. But this is the first time he's ever seen it. I would like to get kind of like just a vibe of the area, mm-hmm. if that's all right, because I'm imagining, you know, Casprin as a sorcerer, as a stone sorcerer, is like somewhat attuned to the earth around him. And I just want to see like, what has happened here? Like, there's no life, but like, is the earth even still alive in this area? 
So would you go out into the... Because right now where you are, it's a little sparse, but it's still like if you, if mm-hmm. out of context, it'd be like, ah, this hill's just kind of empty, but there's grass here and there and little shrubs. It's kind of once you get out more farther out yeah. into these kind of barren gray wastes is where you'd really be able to get a sense of it. So would you go out that direction? I think a little bit, yes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the awe that draws him closer. It's the sheer scale of destruction that pulls him in. Yeah. Does anyone go with him? I think Val would take a few steps forward, mostly to kind of get to the edge and to say a prayer. Mm -hmm. I'll go with Kaskarin because honestly, nobody should be going out there by themselves. (laughs) And I think Checker just like puts a little finger on this barren dirt and just goes, eh, licks it. <laughs> Good. And how does it, how does it taste? <laughs> Spicy from the sun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will. Can I, I, can I taste the sun? I was having a real hard time figuring out which question to answer first, but I'm going to, I'm going to answer Checker's. <laughs> okay. Because it's the most, the, the most immediate sensory feedback. Mm-hmm. And you guys go and you guys have clear visibility. Like you can, like being on Rixia if you were to just delete every tree and every weird hill and cave, it would be teeming with life from tiny squirrels all the way to horrible, you know, flesh lightning, like everywhere. And you guys know that you have experienced it. It is nothing for miles. Checkers, you hop down Mm -hmm. and, you know, stick a finger kind of as soon as it turns and it is gray and you immediately know even before tasting it but you I imagine taste it for good measure Mm -hmm. it tastes like ash like charcoal like lifeless gray carbon what is Kaskrin doing like what's the sense that he's kind of tapping into as he's trying and trying to search out something anything right so I imagine Kaskrin himself we take a few seconds at the barrier between life and death, basically. Mm-hmm. And then we cross it. You know, we go maybe 10, 15 paces in until we're well and truly, like, we're in the wasteland. And Kaskrin is, you know, he's trying to sense the ground underneath his feet. And he's just trying to see if there's anything under there. Any worms, any bugs, anything hiding underneath the ground. Any life at all? Any life at all, yeah. Yeah, it is... In a similar way, on a much more smaller scale, this is obviously a sense that you have tuned well across your life, especially, obviously, after your body started going through its changes. And always there's something. It, when, it, when you're touching dirt, there's always something. There's always a root. There's always bugs, like you said. There's always a, a mushroom, you know, fungus growing or mm-hmm. something. And it is dead as far deep as you can sense. You, you extend as far as you're able to with those senses and your connection with the earth. And it is dead quiet. It is almost deafeningly quiet because it is all the same emptiness in all directions in a way that you can feel and taste and hear. And Catherine turns to Selv after this realization and says, there are 
places we have seen the last few days that have been hostile, that have been dangerous, and have been cursed. But I think this one is maybe the most cursed of all. There's nothing here. Taking a look around, is there anything that strikes me as odd? Uh, an example is we're we're out in the middle of nowhere, right? And it's it's daytime. Are we casting shadows? Like, are, are there Got you know, it. No anything shadows? beyond like supernatural stuff? I love that. You're looking around, and again, there's you're you're so tuned to try to find movement, life, threats, opportunities, openings, and there is so little of anything. And you look up into the sky, and it's almost like there aren't even clouds above you. You can't tell if it's just your imagination or if it really is there are no clouds here. And then you look down in the morning sun, probably even close to midday now. And yeah, you see there is no shadow. Yeah, this is um very weird. And I'll, I'll basically I'll hold my, my arm up and kind of wave my hand back and forth, point to the ground where there should be a shadow and there's... Nothing. There's no shade, nowhere for life to be. Casper will take a little, like a, a handful of, of dust and dirt from the ground, you know, kind of run it between his fingers and watch it. He expects it even to maybe like blow away a little bit, but instead it just all falls straight down. And I think as Casper and Selv would be looking around too, they would see at the edge of this wasteland checkers trying to push mango into the area and mango much like he did when we first went into the bones encampment does not want to go in but unlike then you know he could be kind of convinced or he could could be okay with being uncomfortable this is like a staunch mango has like all of his frog legs in the ground does refusing and, and to his tongue pressed into yeah. the dirt to prevent himself. Yeah, from he moving. is not going in there and Checkers is trying to like, come on, come on, let's go see what's going on. And Mango is not having it. And you can, you anyone who's looking can see like Junior like hop out of yeah, your hat and right. like start hopping back to camp right. basically. And you guys, you kind of look around and there's no magic that's obvious. And you kind of explore and nothing comes by. No one, you see, every once in a while, see Darthon kind of like peek out to be like, are they still there? Okay, cool. Good, 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 good. And eventually you make your way back to camp. And as you walk back, you feel tired. You didn't take damage or nothing like that. It's just, it feels like you have been marching all day in the mud and and whatever. You're feeling the long journey you've had, even though you've had lots of rest. And it just, you just feel exhausted. You spend the rest of the day waiting. Even at this distance, you can feel that emptiness out there. Where usually you're surrounded by life and activity. And and even if you don't see it, you know it's there. But it is like a, a muted sensation off in the distance. I actually have kind of a weird question. Yeah. As the sun is setting, yeah. you know, I imagine it, it kind of passes over this desolate area. 
what does the sunset look like? Because I imagine normally it's like, you know, a mirage or like this kind of like weird reflections of the light against the cloud, against the air. And it looks like pretty. Yeah, looks nice. that's a great point. Well, and because it is in the West, yeah. uh, this kind of expands to you. But like as the sun is like starting to get closer to the horizon of this wasteland, like what's the vibe? <laughs> I imagine it like a sunset on like a calm ocean because there's nothing really getting in the way and maybe the or actually the exact opposite of that because the ash doesn't reflect anything yeah like i imagine it you know as it gets closer to the horizon it starts becoming like unnaturally bright unnaturally hot almost it because like there's nothing in the way the two i I was gonna suggest maybe dull like the whole area just kind of dulls the whole thing so i love all of this as the day wears on you don't notice it too much maybe you're paying attention especially with the shadows but from where you're sitting it seems pretty normal you guys are just kind of taking in the sunset uh, as the two suns kind of descend towards the horizon and taking in a sight that most people in this world have never seen as the two suns start to kind of crest the horizon in the last few minutes of the sunset suns set two S's or <laughs> three S's whatever there's a flash where it does turn a little brighter but also goes grayscale where just there's this thin strip of sky under all the usual beautiful especially Rixia has canonically beautiful sunsets and sunrises but there's just this thin strip of grayish white that goes across the horizon with both suns being unbelievably white and hard to look at until the sun goes down and night falls. The next morning, it is another morning, but you know it is the day. Theoretically, you're supposed to be meeting Lorana. And you're here. Nothing's happening. Do we go to the... I assume we go to the tree. I assume so. I hoped I hoped you would. We're just standing there like a, like it's a bus stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is what you're doing. Is you are just standing or sitting or whatever under these under this tree. And Darthon is there too. Darthon just, has a giant umbrella. <laughs> just totoroing. Yeah. You're all like looking in different directions, trying to catch anything on the horizon. Oh, Val would be looking at the tree. Assuming that might be right. a conduit. Right. And like any like everyone is looking all sorts of directions. Or looking up at the tree, looking at the horizon, looking back the direction you came. And this goes on for a few hours. Until the sun is directly overhead. And as you start to feel a little hungry for lunch, you hear a bell just kind of ring out. And it's not like a big, kind of clear, crisp bell. It's it's a little muddled. Like somebody made the stop request on the bus. Not even... More of a, like, a, if you've been around cows that have bells. You know, kind of that almost muted sound that's still loud, still clangy, but it's certainly not particularly musical. And it just carries in a way that you almost can't at first tell where it's coming from. Until you all just kind of spin around and you see a small woman 
who is dressed in unbelievably colorful purple robes, just layers and layers of fabric, wearing a big, giant sun hat that stretches out several feet from her head. She is just kind of shuffling along, taking very small steps. You have no idea where this person, this person could not have come, have could not have walked over here. There's no way, especially with how slow they are moving. And behind them is a giant cow. Kind of more of a, like a, a water buffalo almost, but kind of an even larger size. If that wasn't strange enough, this cow is also unbelievably colorful. Its skin is covered with pink and blue and purple colors of the night sky when you're days away from the nearest city, when you can see all of the galaxies and all of the kind of heavenly glory. And its giant swoopy horns are also this deep purple that seem to also have stars inside them. Atop its head, kind of on these antlers, and on scaffolding inside of these antlers, you can even see from here, it seems like there is a small city. Some sort of big building right on the right on its its head and in these scaffoldings just tiny un- incomprehensibly small buildings with these golden threads coming from its forehead out to the points of its antlers down to a nose ring as you look at it it gets closer and you can even now that you look at it in the space inside of its horns it is uncanny you're not sure it might be a trick of the light But even that, it seems like it is the night sky just floating there, just behind it. And the person leading this large buffalo looks up at you all with this big smile, very customer service-y smile. Hello. Are you the Golden Tree Guild? Yes, we are. Ah, early. That's good news. Lorana will be very pleased. My name is Daisy. Hi, Daisy. I'm Valeska. I'm Kaskarin. I thought we'd be meeting Lorana today. Well, you will. Hi, I'm Checkers. I like your hat. Thank you. Where do I get one? They are available for purchase <laughs> in the city. Guys, I want to go to the city. I think I am too. I'm confused, but you can call me Selva. She, like, from in the depths of her robes, pulls out a clipboard and makes, like, noticeable, like, check marks at each name and then looks up at Darthon and says, Oh, you're still here, too. That'll be all. Thank you. Are you all ready? Just one moment, and Val will turn around and say goodbye to Darthon and Giant and give him a thank you for everything. Yeah, and I'll, uh, Selv will bow to Darthon. He pats you all with his giant hand in turn. Yeah. And, and, sinks and, and looks confused, but, you know, he knew he, he knew where he was taking you guys to a certain extent. Uh, safe travels back to your home. Say hi to Brynleth for us. He just nods. 
and like his like his tears welling up a little bit. Okay, I think we are all set now. Well, welcome to Starry Night Pastures. And she extends one finger to whoever is close. We're going to say Kaskarin. That feels like the best, who is just kind of up front. I'm going to say it's Checkers who's up front. <laughs> He's <laughs> no, in no, line. No, 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 He's no. In ready to get the hat. Yeah. And she just, again, with this big smile plastered on her face, looks down at you and extends one finger out from under her robes and pokes it exactly in the middle of your forehead. And you are transported elsewhere. You all find yourselves as you are all swept away through some sort of tunnel and boom, you are in a new place entirely. It is a beautiful, small town, city. You're not sure. All of the pavement gleams. It seems like it's made of white marble everywhere you can see. There's gold inlay. It is bustling with all kinds of people wearing these unbelievably colorful, if slightly out of date fashion-wise, clothing. Up on a hill, this huge, ornate temple that is at the center and height of everything that has almost like a weather vane at the top where these giant golden threads are going out and kind of over your heads and if you were to follow them your brain snaps a little because you follow them all the way out beyond the city where you can see they attach to the horns of the buffalo Daisy says welcome again to Starry Night Pastures let me take you to our beloved patron Lorana Moonglove and that is where we'll end this week's episode. Yeah! yeah. You made it! Yeah. Yay! We are here! Wow. Yeah, wow. Because of how guard bleh, because of how hard you guys crushed that skill challenge, you all get nine thousand gold pieces. What? Wow! wow. <laughs> <laughs> Super authentic. Oh, wow! <laughs> you, it's like I was transported back yeah, right. several weeks yeah. of recording. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Oh, I'm, golly gee, I'm ready. I'm I'm ready to keep recording. It's you all who need to get your shit together. This is what happens to you. So if we get unloaded cookies. Yeah, right. We're at, we're at, <laughs> as we're you the, as yeah, you part. double hand juice box sip your water. <laughs> cookies. <laughs> I eat cookies. <laughs> <laughs>